0: Good morning, everybody. If you want to find your seat, so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning to where we can show each other love and welcome each other. Oh, my goodness. Tell you what, I had to pay the handshake tax over there. I had to pay the hug tax just to get up here. I paid it joyfully, though. So Um, good to be here. So uh, So thankful that you could join us today at Whiteford Wesleyan Church to worship with us to hear from, uh, we have, uh, like Pastor Rick mentioned, our, our missions convention today, kind of focusing this whole month has been on mission, has been on, our, on some of our missionaries, we've seen videos, last week we had Fred Cromer here and he shared with us, uh, today we have Adam and Krista here, they're going to be sharing with us as well, excited about that, um, also he's nice and tall. And uh, I was just going to say good-looking, I don't know, I I just get self-conscious whenever I see Adam. But anyway, glad that he could be here to share with us, what an exciting time we have uh, to hear someone speak other than me. Uh, But so glad that you would be here today. In your pews right in front of you are connection cards, if you want to uh, stay connected or get connected with our church, with all the things that we're doing, if you want to know about what events are coming up, if you want to... get little emails from Pastor Rick that are like, hey, you're awesome. Uh, You might get one of those if you sign up on the connection card. So uh, if you change your email or your address or anything like that, that's a good way of letting us know. Fill that out. You can put it in the offering plate when it goes by later today. Um, also on the back there you have an opportunity to share any prayer requests or praises anything that God's doing anything that you think God might be saying any way that we can pray for you or with you or celebrate with you we want to be connected in that way we may not be a, uh, a you know we know pretty much all the faces in here uh, but there's something about having a, a written reminder I think is good for us um, if if, uh, if I know anything about our staff so having that written down so that we remember so that we can pray over you uh, this week or into the future uh, please do that like I said Offering plate will come by. You can just throw it in there. Uh, that's a great way to stay connected here. Um, after service today, if you didn't know about this, you are still invited, and you should definitely still come. Uh, international banquet, we do this every year after our missions convention. Uh, there's food down there. Uh, if you walk through and you thought, man, this church smells weird, uh, that's just the food down there. Uh, we do smell weird, but we smell weirder today. Uh, there's some good stuff down there from different countries, uh, and uh, there's going to probably be more coming. There will be plenty of food. Uh, if not... Uh, we have a God who does like a loaves and fishes thing, so hopefully that, that happens. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a great time of fellowship, hanging out, uh, maybe trying some foods you haven't tried before. Or maybe you'll stay safe and like hope there's a pizza down there or something. But uh, it's going to be a great time. We'd love for you to stay right after service today, even if it's just for a little bit. Fellowship with us, eat some food with us, maybe try some different things. Um, as you see in your bulletin, new beginnings group coming up. That's for any widows or widowers. Um, uh, Bernice Heidelberg is kind of heading that up if you could want to talk to her. Um and see what's going on with that. Uh just an opportunity for those type of people, uh those people in those situations to meet together uh to kind of build each other up and have people to talk to who are in similar situations. So uh if you're in that group and you want to be a part of that, uh you can talk to Bernice. Is she in here? Oh, there she is. Man, she's great at waving, she's always ready. Um on September 28th. So please talk to Bernice and see what's going on there. I'm sure she'd love to have you be a part of that. Ladies, another event coming up because the ladies group does all the fun stuff. Um, October 26th, Rust Belt Coffee, 10 a.m. They're going to be making fabric pumpkins and painting, uh, $20 per person. If you have any questions on that, want to know more about that, you can see Leslie. Let's Look at it. She's great at waving, too. A little bit higher, though. There it is. There it is for real. All right. If you want to see Leslie, you can see that uh, or, and see what's going on. Uh, and I know they got a bunch of, even if you just want to go and hang out, I think there's going to be an opportunity to do that, uh, just to get together, have that connection with the ladies group. Um, I believe Pastor Rick's going to share. You're going to do it later. That's fine. Um, he lied to me. That's okay. I'll forgive him. Um, that's pretty much all I have for you today is what's in the bullets in there. Um, If you're ever wondering what's going on, if you're on Facebook, if you're on the internet, you can go to uh, whitefordwesleyanchurch.com, go to our Facebook page, all that stuff. We keep those updated with all the events that are coming up. A lot of times there's ways to RSVP and all those things. Check those out. We work really hard uh, to keep those up to date, keep that beautiful. Uh, Also, if you're sharing uh, our church with somebody, that's a great way to say, hey, check out our website. It's actually worth uh, sending people to. You can see that, uh, get all the information they need about Whiteford Wesleyan Church. That's all I have for you today. I'm going to pass it over to mark who's going to continue to lead us in worship quick announcements as well
1: we partnered again with the school the high school and they've given us about 40 of the teachers administrators that we can pray for this year their pictures are out there on the welcome center and we'd love for you to pick up one or two and make that your prayer partner for the year praying for them and if you would whoever you pick up would you please sign there's a sign up sheet so that we have record of where those are, who's getting whom, and uh, so there's, again, and also there's preschool children out there as well, so we want to make sure that our preschool kids, our preschool teachers, administrators, and our high school, middle school, elementary school teachers are covered with prayer. Um, Again, another great showing at Whiteford High School, giving us so many names we just can't thank the Lord enough for that. Isn't that exciting that we get to go in there and, uh, and pray for them? And so here's a great way to, to be uh, this uh, a bearer of good news within our community to the members of Whiteford Schools. So please grab one of those and make sure that you also sign that you have that as well. Everybody has a little card in your bulletin. I'd like you to get that out and look at that just for a moment. This is called a Faith Promise Giving Card. We've been talking about this, and it's been a bulletin insert for the whole month, and we'll continue to talk about it till next week. But faith promise is the way that we support our missionaries at Whiteford Wesleyan Church. We've done this for years. A faith promise is simply that I'm promising by faith a certain amount of money to give to missions for the year. I'm just amazed at how many times I see children fill these out and teenagers. Uh, fill these out. Everybody can be a part of this. I encourage everyone, whether it's $10 or $100 or $1, doesn't matter. Maybe you don't have that kind of money. That's where faith comes in. This is a promise made by faith. I can, uh, I can attest to many, many times in which the Lord has brought extra funds in just for this cause as well. I So many times, i you know writing the check, okay, Lord, uh, you know, it's faith promise time, and uh, always uh, seems to be extra there. The Lord is faithful. Don't ever forget that. He is faithful. Isn't that not true? And our missionaries can attest to this. I know that many of you who follow the Lord for so many years, and all of us, the Lord is faithful to his promise. And when we make a promise to the Lord... He is faithful to fulfill it. So I want to encourage you and I challenge you this year. Maybe you've never done this before, but uh, just to write your name and amount that you're going to say, by faith, I'm going to trust the Lord this year to give this amount to missions. Our goal is $15,000 to raise this year to help support our missionaries. Adam and Christ are part of that support. We've enjoyed uh, partnering with them. And uh, I'm sure that they would appreciate too if you give by faith and to our faith promise. So, everybody, please, please do something to help in this area. Now, I want you to know we're not the faith promise police. Uh, We're not going to come after you. This is between you and the Lord. Um, But we just want a record of that. If you don't feel like signing your name, you don't even have to sign your name. But again, just a a record of, of what we believe the Lord's going to help us to come and raise in this year to come. So I would encourage you right now to take that and do. everybody can do something as we do it by faith. Well, we're going to and put that in the offering plate, if you would, along with your tithes and offerings. We're going to wait upon you as we receive our morning tithes and offerings now. That was one powerful prayer, wasn't it? I love that last little line, pray that we become friends. Friends, that's the whole idea. Become friends with people that don't know Jesus. And tell them about the good news. Well, the good news is being shared with the Muslim people in Dearborn through Adam and Krista. And Adam's going to come and share with us right now. And uh, kids, we want to meet me in Junior Church at this time. So we'll take your kids too if you'd like. Well, if at least a couple
2: of days if well, you you're got. willing to. Hey, Pastor, before you go anywhere. I just want to, to, to be able to say thank you personally. Um, when we, we moved to this district, which is now a region, uh, you were the first person to invite us here. Um, and more importantly, you invited us back, so that's actually kind of a positive. Um, and so, one of the things that we like to do is just be able to say thank you by just giving small gifts. And so, I wanted to just give this to you now. Um, this is actually a, a, a kind of a cool thing. It's a it's a handmade plate with the Lord's Prayer in Arabic. This was made in Bethlehem, like oh, little town of Bethlehem, Beth- Bethlehem. Um, and it's just uh, just a kind of a cool piece to be for us to be able to say. Thank you so much. And I'm going to put it back in here because I trust idea. you, but you're actually going out there with the kids. And uh, I don't want you playing Frisbee with it without it being protected. But I just want to be able to say publicly thank you so much you. to you and to the church for uh, for supporting and praying for our ministry uh, so well. Uh, so, yes, thank you. And now are our kids gone? Yeah? I can do the handheld. It's okay. Hand? Yeah, I can do the handheld. Now, my goal this morning is a couple of goals. One is, Uh, to get us out on time for us to have a nice international meal um, together. And my other goal is that I can at least keep a couple of you asleep, mainly our six-month-old over there. So if you guys end up wanting to join him, I understand, because I'm going to at least try to keep him um, asleep. Without causing too much of a stir, I'm going to move this over. Okay. Okay. So we are uh, Adam and Krista Jones. Uh, We live just north of here in Dearborn, Michigan. We've uh, been there for just a little over two years. And uh, as you can see from the pictures up there, we have four kids now. We have uh, Xavier is our oldest. He just uh, turned nine this summer. Gretchen is our upper middle child. She's about to turn seven um, pretty soon. And um, then we have number three is Jacob. He's three. And uh, our newest addition is uh, Theodore. And he was born just, I don't know, six months ago. Is that about right? Um, it's all starting to run together. I, we just do head counts and make sure we have four kids. We, we like to have our four kids, but at the end of the day, as long as we have four kids, I feel like there's some balance. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at. Um, yeah, so we, we moved to Dearborn, Michigan to to work with the Arab Muslim population there. As many of you guys know, a lot of our city, in fact, uh, a vast majority of our city is from Arab descent, and they are of a Muslim faith. And so the Lord opened up an opportunity for us to move up there just to, to build relationships and share the good news with those who um, have not heard it yet or have not accepted it for sure. Uh, we are humbled by the opportunities that we have to live up there. Um, it continues to be a bit of a, uh, an adventure for our family. We lived for just short of five years in Bosnia, Eastern Europe. Um, and then we moved back to the States and continued our, uh, our partnership with Global Partners in opening up the Dearborn Project. Uh, just quickly, the Dearborn Project, we exist for two reasons. One is we believe in a disciple-making movement among the Arab Muslim population in Dearborn, Michigan. What that means is we work hard to be able to build relationships, share the gospel in hopes of seeing believers come out of Islam and begin to follow Jesus in hopes of seeing a greater movement happen in Dearborn where more and more people within uh, our city are following Jesus and making disciples. Uh, and so we work very hard uh, in order to to build that trust, to share the good news, in hopes of seeing that happen. We also exist to train and equip the North American church. We realize the advantage that we have in living in North America. You don't even need a passport. Although it feels like parts of our city, you're in another country. You don't need a passport to travel there. And so we provide opportunities for people to come and visit, or for us to go and visit churches to be able to train and equip. Um, you, and how to interact with people from another culture. Um, we realize the, the complexity of the times that we live in, and I think a lot of uh, that complexity is magnified uh, by our confusion or separation from each other, and so we just try to provide training and simple tools in how to connect with people who may, or may, who may be different. Uh, than we are and so that 's why Dearborn project exists. We work hard to uh, to be able to see those two um, things accomplished if you're uh, interested in following our journey a little bit more, we do have a table in the back with a notebook you can sign up or you know name and email address and uh, we'll sign you up to our newsletter list as well as our Facebook group where we kind of give a little bit more of a day to day of what 's happening and how you can pray for us. We also send out newsletters a few times a year where we share just pictures of our kids and stories of what's happening personally for us. Um, and so we would love for you to stay in touch with our journey um, because we realize that uh, this work is very important. Uh, the Lord has brought a vast number of people to us, and uh, we tend to look at that as an opportunity to be able to, to share the good news. And uh, we want to make sure that everyone we come in contact understands the gospel and uh, the saving and freeing knowledge of the gospel, uh, whether it be those who are sitting here this morning um, or those we interact with in Dearborn. So I want to today just share a, a passage of scripture that is very dear to our ministry, and I love the fact that your, is it your life verse or your memory verse? What is it? Your life verse is from this, pa- is from this passage that we're going to talk about this morning. Now, I don't know if you changed your life verse because I'm preaching out of Romans 10. Um, My guess is that's not the case. Uh, But if you do have your Bibles, if you could open them up to Romans chapter 10. And we're going to read a little bit of a click here, uh, the first 15 verses of Romans chapter 10. And then we want to kind of unpack a few things, what we call the three M's uh, to missions. Now, I usually don't put together sermons that all start with the same letter. It just happened that way. Um, but hopefully it'll be something that will stick with you uh, as it does with us. So Romans chapter 10, and Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses writes about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. God, I thank you so much for your word that you shared through Paul. I thank you for the reminder of what it means to be a follower of you, the freedom that we have from the law in you, the way that you made for us to get to you through you. I pray this morning as we look at this passage that your word would speak through me, that it would challenge us, that you would be glorified through it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I love how Paul starts this part of his letter to Rome, the church in Rome. He says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer for the, to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. I love Paul's honesty here. He really loves these people. He really loves the Israelites, and he really wants to see them saved. He credits them for their attempts at righteousness, but he knows that they need Jesus. When I read this, I see Paul's motive for outreach. Paul's motive in life is to look at the people around him and say, I really want to see you saved. And so one question that comes to me is, do I really want to see people saved? The question I offer to you this morning is, do you really want to see people saved? Because I think the answer to that question will affect the way that we spend our time, our energy, our resources, our money. Because it will say to God and to those around you, you matter, and I really want to see you in heaven. But Paul's not just asking or not just saying he wants to see people saved, he wants to see who's saved. The Israelites. So essentially, Paul is saying, I want to see those people saved. So for Paul, those people were the Israelites. But this morning, the question I'm asking is, who are those people for you? Those people that you really have compassion and empathy for. Did you recognize that they... They don't know Jesus, they're on a path away from him, but you really want to see them in fullness, in wholeness, through Jesus Christ. For us, it is the Muslim population living in Dearborn. Every day we have to wake up as a family and ask ourselves, do we really want to see those people saved? As we hear about another attack or something happening in the Middle East or overseas from Islamic extremists, we have to ask ourselves, do we really want to see them saved? As we send our kids out to school every day, and as their friends come over to our house and drive us nuts sometimes, we have to ask ourselves, do we really want to see them saved? I think that is such a crucial question for today. I think another way that we could ask that question is, do we really want to spend eternity with those people? Now, we all get to sit in our seats and ask God to reveal to us who those people are. But I pray that we would take time to search our hearts and hear who God may be opening up for us to want to see them saved. That's not an easy thing for us to do, right? It's far easier for us to pronounce judgment, to separate ourselves from those who deserve punishment for their bad decisions or their mistakes. Jesus did the same, right? Luke chapter 19, Jesus was walking to Jerusalem, and he saw the city and all the people in it, and it says that he said, if you, even you, had only known that this day would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you on, other, on every side. They will dash you to the ground and your children within the walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize God's coming to you. Isn't that our reaction sometimes? You should have known better. I told you. If you know that passage of scripture, before Jesus stands up and says that over them, what does it say? What does the word say that he did? He wept. He looked over the people And he wept, and he said, if you only knew, if you would have only known, but now judgment's coming. I know for me, it's far easier to look out at people and say, should have known better. And instead, it's the discipline to ask God to give us the kind of compassion for the lost Not that we wag our finger, but that we run up and we weep over them and beg them to turn their lives to Jesus Christ. Do we want to see people saved? Because I guarantee you this, before we talk about the message or the method that we use in reaching people, you have to answer the question, do I really want to see those people in heaven? Not only do I see Paul's motive, reflecting our motive as we wake up each day, as I love how Paul continues to write, and we see the message that he wants to share with people. What we have found in Dearborn is that many of our friends, our Muslim friends, truly are trying to find God. They've just been given a really inaccurate roadmap of how to get there. Now, imagine with me for a moment what it must feel like to be a Muslim, someone who is under the law in every aspect of their lives, I remember just a, a few weeks ago, our interns who were here working with us in Dearborn, uh, they were meeting with their language helper and their language helper had brought some baklava over to their, their language lesson time. And it was kind of funny because the girl said, we brought baklava too. And so they had this big, huge baklava party. And the interns were telling me when this happened, their, their Muslim Arabic teacher or tutor said, oh, well, it's great, now we both get the points. For the good deed. You see, a Muslim believes that everybody who is a follower of God, Allah, has two angels with them at all times. One angel is recording the good things that they do, and one angel is recording the bad things that they do. And so in every aspect of their lives, they are under scrutiny of the law. Did I walk into the room with the correct foot first? Did I offer my right hand? Was even just a small portion of my hair sticking out as to tempt someone? Did I linger and look too long at that woman? Everything is recorded. Can you imagine the weight and the pressure of waking up each day wondering, did I do enough good or did I do too much bad? Because they believe as those angels are recording those deeds, when they do die, they're put on a scale. And whichever way the scale weighs out is how they will spend their eternity. Now, I love technology. We're an Apple family. We pay way too much for it, but we are stuck in the Apple mafia now. And it is hard to get out of the Apple mafia. But as incredible as Apple products are, they have yet to invent an app where a Muslim can go in there and find out What's their account balance here? So every day they wake up wondering, have I done enough good in my life? It's not very different than what the Jews were facing that Paul was looking at with them. William Barclay writes about Judaism. He says the Sabbath, for example, it was laid down exactly how far a man could walk on the Sabbath it was laid down that he must not lift a burden that weighed more than two dried figs. you guys like dried figs? How much is two dried figs? I'm from North Carolina. We'd say it ain't a lot. No food was to be cooked on the Sabbath. And in the event of sickness, measures could be taken to prevent a patient from getting worse but not getting better. And so when Paul looks out and he sees these people who are zealous for God, they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. It's very similar to the people we wake up with and serve every day. A couple of years ago, I was talking to my language helper, and I was explaining to him the gospel, the good news of us being sinners who could not earn enough good on our own, and God, in knowing that, provided the forgiveness of our sin, the payment for our punishment through the cross in Jesus Christ. He said, that sounds really great, but let me explain to you the way I feel about salvation. Go for it. He said, when you go to school, do you get your certificate when you start? or when you finish. I said, "Of course, we get our certificates, our degrees, our diplomas after we finish." He said, "Of course you do. When you pass the classes, when you get the right grades, you're good enough, then you get your diploma." He said, "For us, life is this test, and if we pass all of our tests and at the end we get our diploma." Well, wow, that's actually really logical. It makes a lot of sense. The Lord gave me the ability that day to be able to share with him, though we believe that life is a test that we were never meant to pass on our own. And that the cross allows us to get the good grades enough to be saved. My language helper wakes up every day. No progress reports, no parent-teacher conferences, no way to find out, am I on track? He believes that when he dies, he'll know. Can you imagine the amount of pressure that someone trapped in a works religion must face each day? And we have to ask ourselves, do we really want to see them saved? But what Paul says to them, he says, Christ is, is the end of the law. He's saying long gone are the days of two-stepping around the planet trying to replace God's wrath with your good works. He says in him, you can find fulfillment in the law. In him, we are full and free and forgiven and we can know God and be known fully by him. We can have assuredness in our salvation. Life is this test, and we were not meant to pass it on our own. We need a Savior. And this is the message that we take to our friends and our neighbors in Dearborn. For us, a win is found in in the verses between 8 and 10. Paul writes, but what does it say? The word is near you, and it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message of faith that we proclaim that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, we realize for someone to come to Jesus takes a very long time, especially out of Islam. The concepts of grace, the concepts of mercy do not exist. It's what you do good and what you avoid doing bad. And there are several characters along the way. But for us, a win is when someone confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, believing that he died and believing that he is alive today. So beyond the motive for us waking up each day and the message that we proclaim to our friends, we see a method that comes out of this Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Now, I love the narrative that we see throughout the Bible this story that started in Genesis chapter 1 that continues on until the end times. We see this narrative where, where God was literally, after creating everything around us, including Adam and Eve, that He was in the garden walking with them. And it was their sin that made them run and hide from God. God didn't run from them, He's walking through the garden. Where are you guys? We see this story throughout the scriptures where the Israelites' sin continued to separate them from God. And so God would send prophets to say, no, 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 please come back to me. Trust in me. Now, I gave you the law so that you would be set apart, but that also you would trust in me. And then you guys are just running off doing your own thing. And so he would send prophets to come back and say, what? Come back to me. You're over there. Come back to me. And as the Israelites continued to venture off, he himself came. He himself came to this earth not only as a forgiveness to our sin or for our sin, but that he could walk among us because he desires to be in relationship with us. And as Jesus was parting from this earth, he unleashes his disciples in the church to do what? to go and make disciples. The story of God pursuing after us is thick within the scriptures. And so the method is the same today as it has been for all of history. We must be willing to go to them. But can't people just come to to Jesus through proximity? I mean, wouldn't it be easier if they were, you know, just through osmosis, just based on where they are, that they could just come to Jesus? That'd be a lot easier. We've been working with a a family that uh, relocated to America from Iraq about 10 years ago. And through their time in North America, uh, an older family kind of adopted them as their, their, their grandparents, their American grandparents. And they would pick them up and take them to different places. They would take them to church. They would, uh, if they had a, a school event, they would pick them up and drop them off. They'd just really take them under their wing. And over time, this family just fell in love with the generosity of this older couple, Yet they had never, ever accepted Jesus nor been discipled into who Jesus was. They were infatuated with the people, but not the person. So as they relocated from New York to Dearborn, uh, they got in contact with us and, and, and other workers, and we began spending time together with the two brothers, the two oldest sons. Again, they were infatuated with the church of how generous the church was, but had never uh, opened up the Word of God, had never read it. And so we just began a basic Bible study with them. Have you ever read the Bible with someone who doesn't know what's going to happen next? I mean, just even watching a movie, if you've watched a movie a hundred times, but you're watching it with someone who has never seen it before, and they're going, but, but wait a minute, what if they did it? And you're just like, whoa, just, just wait, just wait, it's coming. And it's been so much fun reading the Bible with these guys because we saw them you know stop at some portions. Okay, we're out of time for today. And they would go, no, no, wait, what what why would we stop there? What's happening? And go, just wait. It's an exciting thing when someone begins to read and discover the Bible for the first time. It hasn't happened by accident. It doesn't happen based just on their location or who they are who they are around. It requires some intentionality. For us, some really important verses come from First Thessalonians chapter two, and Paul is saying, in verse five, he said, "You know, we were never used flattery." Nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We share not only truth with our friends, but we share our lives with them. It's a combination of that proximity and that intentionality that we see people journeying journeying toward Christ. We sit with people. We ask questions, and we explain what we believe, and we live it out before them. We celebrate the things that they celebrate. And it seems like Arabs celebrate everything. If they buy a house, mabruk, congratulations. They buy a car, mabruk, congratulations. They have a child, mabruk, congratulations. They got over being sick, mabruk, congratulations. And it feels like we're always having some kind of celebration in our English classes. And we take time to celebrate what they celebrate. We hold their babies and we let them hold our babies we share meals together we have people in our homes and we try and we're out in their homes it's this is key for reaching muslims is that you share not only the gospel but your lives with them as well but this is scary isn't it it's it's scary to let people in into those inner circles or parts of our lives I mean, it's easy to kind of have some separation there, right? I mean, that's that's easier. It's easier for us to kind of find like-minded and people that we just agree with and get along with. And it's harder to kind of take steps out and kind of close that proximity gap. But this is key because we believe that it is that gap between us and other people that allows us to hate, to reject to be afraid of. And we found as we close that proximity gap, we begin to see people as people, as God's creation, that he loves very much. We have an Afghani family that we've been uh, um, helping out. They moved to the area about four months ago. Now, Afghani people do not actually speak Arabic, so they're not Arabs at all. So they got kind of transplanted into Dearborn that is predominantly Arabic speaking, but they don't speak Arabic. So they're just as lost and confused as we are sometimes. They come to our ESL classes, and and actually this family knows English better than some of the others, and so I'll go, "Um, what's the word in Arabic? Oh, that's right, you don't know Arabic. They're just as kind of lost and confused sometimes. Now... At the beginning of this school year, they transferred schools into a Dearborn public school, and they were assuming, because they lived more than a couple of miles from the school, that a bus was gonna pick them up. I also assumed that as well. Come the first day of school, a bus showed up. They got to the bus and they said, are you going to Dearborn school? The guy spoke back to them in Arabic. They said, "Um, we don't know Arabic guy said, okay, get on the bus. So they get on the bus. Well, apparently that bus was coming to pick up some other kids, including them, to take them to another school outside of Dearborn on the other side of Detroit. So 45 minutes later, they get to not their school. So they picked up the phone and they called me. And they said, we are somewhere. (laughs) I don't know where it's at. Can someone come pick us up? This is the best part about having interns. So I called the interns and said, Can you go pick them up? There was some miscommunication because in Dearborn, the the schools don't run on a high school to pick up high schoolers. This bus had come to pick them up because they were previously enrolled in this school from last year, the the very end of last year. So there was lots of miscommunication. So our interns now have taken it upon themselves to pick these girls up every morning. And school in Dearborn starts at 7.15. They pick them up every morning, and they take them to school. The first real day of school, because I mean, your first day of school at a new school, you don't want to start off by like not just missing the bus, but like getting on the wrong bus. So their first actual day of school, our interns could tell they were super nervous. And so one of our interns just said, can we pray with you? So they just prayed that God would give them peace as they started this new day, that God would give them friends that they could connect with, that he would relieve all of their fears. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. And they've committed every morning to picking them up and taking them to school. And every morning... They pray with these girls now. In Jesus' name. That proximity makes a difference. The closer that we get to people, the more opportunity we have to be the light to them. And it would be very easy to say, that is too inconvenient. That's too mundane. I've got other stuff going on. But for our interns, they really want to see these girls saved. And they'll stop at nothing to be in relationship to bless them so that they have an opportunity to pray in Jesus' name with these girls. A couple of years ago, we had a big snowstorm. And uh, I was meeting with my Arabic teacher, and I, uh, I showed up a little bit early, and I Because I'm from North Carolina, I mean it's big snow summer's like six inches, but for us that's like two weeks at no school and all that. But here in Michigan you guys like keep life going, right? So I showed up a little bit early, and this was a community center that we were teaching English at, that we are meeting with, and I got to, to fire up the snowblower. So I got out there blowing the snow, and, you know, there's like old guys over there just shoveling. They're like, what are you doing with the snowblower? It doesn't matter. I'm playing, right? So I kind of cleared out a spot for my, my teacher to, to park his car and could walk inside. And when he got there, he, he I noticed he'd come out of his car, and he kind of took a picture, this picture right here. Okay, whatever, we went inside, and we did our Arabic lesson, and after we were finished, um, we, we, were, we were walking out, and I noticed that the sun had popped out, and it kind of dried up all the, the little pieces and parts there, of snow left, and, and he was excited. He was excited because he said, you know, now I don't have to worry about slipping and falling, and you kept my shoes nice and clean. He said, in fact, while we were doing our lesson, you left to go make a phone call. I, I put this picture up on Facebook. He showed me the post, and the post basically said this. It said, I'm here to teach my English teacher Arabic. He, he really wants to learn Arabic. He said, the people here, they really care about us. He said, we got this snowstorm, but he showed up early so he could carve out a spot for me to park my car and walk without slipping and falling and getting my shoes dirty. He said, you know, these people that we were taught are infidels, love us better then we would love them. And it is that proximity, even in the mundane, in the silliness of wanting to use a snowblower, that God can be glorified and his name proclaimed. So what now? What now is our response to all of this? I think that for some of you, God is going to be asking you to give financially more than you thought you were able to as pastor rick said that this faith promise is a commitment not that i will do it but that he will do it through me and in a way that he gets the glory and i'm telling you even as a missionary family we have to ask ourselves god what are you asking us to trust you for Not only giving, but I believe that he's going to ask us to give to people and places that we may never, ever step foot on or see. Right now, we have a a great work that's happening in China. We have a couple of different locations, and, and we have a dream to see more people and more places reached in China. You or I don't have very much opportunity to get to China And so God may be asking some of you to give to those who are going, who can go. Still yet, I think God is going to be asking some of you to go. Now, whether this going means across the street or down to Toledo or to your coworker that you can't stand, God is going to be asking you to go. Maybe it's to tutor kids who need help in school Maybe it's on a short-term trip, somewhere like Dearborn. Commercial. Come to Dearborn. Maybe you're thinking, I don't really know where to start. Well, come visit us. We would love to be able to show you a few things and, and show you a little bit of our city and kind of break the ice a little about a little bit about reaching people from another culture. But yet still, I think some of you, God may call to long-term service. But maybe you're thinking, I'm too young for that. I want to introduce you to a missionary. Her name is Liz. Liz served in Vienna, Austria. And due to some issues related to her family and health issues, she had to return back temporarily as she and her new husband um, will hopefully, Lord willing, one day deploy back. Liz came to America when she was, I don't know, 12 or 13, from Mexico in that time frame, learned English. Didn't know any English when she arrived. She eventually graduated from Oklahoma Wesleyan University and felt a call to go serve in Vienna to work with the immigrant and refugee population. You see, in Vienna, there's several thousand Syrian refugees that have come over. As well as Iranian refugees that have come over. And the Lord took her story because she knows what it feels like to show up in a country, not know the language, not know anything. And the Lord has taken her story and is now using her in amazing ways in places like Vienna. She's 20-nothing years old. And God used her story to reach others. Many of you might be thinking, though, it's not about it being too young. I am just too old. I want to introduce you to Keith and Sandra Nash. Do you guys know Keith and Sandra Nash? They're ancient old, right? Like scroll old. Keith served as a, a pastor in, in uh, South Dakota for 527 years. And as he was coming up, I'm just kidding, by the way. Just kidding. It was a little bit less than that. But as he was coming up upon his retirement, he sat in on a GP uh, Global Partners presentation where our director of mobilization was talking about the work that was happening in this first country that walked out of Nepal. Right now, Nepal has more leaders who are becoming followers of Jesus than they have people who can train them properly to send them out. And Keith walked up with tears in his eyes to the director of mobilization and said, we've got to do something about that. And so he and Sandra, at 539 years old, decided to sell everything and spend their retirement, part of their retirement, in Nepal, training leaders. They've since moved back to the States, but but Keith takes several trips a year going back to continue to teach the leaders, to make more leaders, to send out more. Okay, okay, it's not about age. I, I mean, I'm not really like the clergy type. I mean like missions and gospel, and all that stuff. That's like for pastors. That's why we pay. Well, I don't know why they pay you, I. But but that's why we pay Pastor S. Why we pay Pastor Mark, and that's you know that's what we do, right? I mean, that, I'm not clergy. I want to introduce you to Rob and Monica. Rob and Monica live in uh, in a country in Central Asia. Rob, for for several years, most of his adult life, worked at a a plant just north of Detroit, a GM plant, until the Lord grabbed his heart and called he and his family. To Central Asia. And I wish that, that Rob was here now so you could hear the stories of what's happening in Washington ministries where, where Rob is going and, and, and Monica, they're, they're meeting with people on a weekly basis and, and boldly proclaiming the gospel and people are coming, becoming followers of Jesus. In fact, now they are leading the team there in their city and they're overseeing the work completely. And, and, and to take someone who went from a blue-collar factory job, being a part of a serious movement that's happening in Central Asia. Only God can do that. The last orientation that I was a part of with Global Partners, we had a social worker. We had a college dropout. We had a missionary kid teacher. We had doctors and nurses. We had youth pastors who all felt like God was calling them overseas. God is not limited And can utilize and use all of us. But beyond that, I believe that the church may be willing to send, to raise up and send out your best and your brightest, or your lowest and your dimmest, to go do powerful things for God. And when we as a church become more strategic to raise up and send out, we can see His mission accomplished. I'll close with this in Acts chapter 7. We find that Stephen was the first martyr for the church. They stoned him and killed him and Paul was sitting there approving of it all. It's a really dark time for the church because it says there in Acts chapter 8 that a great persecution broke out and it would have been easy for the disciples to go back to the upper room and run and hide. But what does it say in Acts chapter 8? It says they were scattered. And everywhere they went, they were proclaiming the gospel. That God can take our simple efforts and what is happening around us to expand his kingdom. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful that you do not leave us in our helplessness. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have prepared a way through your son, Jesus Christ, that we may have salvation in you. I pray, God, that you would give us the kind of compassion that we need to see others saved, that we as the church would stop at nothing, whether it be our resources, our energy, our time, or our people, that we would stop at nothing to see your church expand. I thank you, Lord, that you use the most unlikely of scenarios. Lord, I pray that you would increase our imagination for what you want to do to see your kingdom grow. Give us boldness to proclaim the message. Give us humility to build relationships, to close the proximity gap, to go and walk with our enemies as you did here on this earth. We love you, God, and we thank you that you entrust us with your mission. You don't need us. You entrust us with it, though. Now we ask, God, that you would equip us, Father. We love you, God, and it's in your Son's name that we pray these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
0: Amen. I uh, just want to thank Adam, first of all, uh, for being here and sharing with us. It's is probably too loud, but uh, just uh, what a great message. Uh, we had Fred last week and I, I sang his praise and I'll do the same for Adam, even though he kind of tried to slight me there. Don't leave. I'm going to pray over you as well. Um, but uh, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for what you do. Uh, and thank you for that message. Uh, just so encouraging and a great reminder for us. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I I have a lot of notes, and I don't want to recap everything you said, but I love it. Um, I think the motive part was so important uh, that we remember. And just to refresh that, um, do I really want to see these people saved? Whether it's the person across from you, whether it's the person uh, next door, or the person uh, across the ocean, do I really want to see them saved? What a great question. Um, But, Adam, we just want to pray over you. Last week, we had everybody come forward. If, if you guys just put out a hand uh, uh, towards Adam here, I want to pray over you uh, as we continue to thank God for what you're doing and what he's doing uh, in your ministry. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for Adam and Krista and all that they're doing uh, in Dearborn, uh, but also what they've done here today uh, to, to share with us, not just what's on Adam's heart, but what you've placed there, what you had to say to us today, God. Uh, We just pray that you would continue to bless them and protect them and guide them, uh, give them words to speak, uh, not only to uh, those they are ministering to in Dearborn, but also those churches that he visits, that he continues to speak with boldness and challenge uh, with the heart of God, uh, each of us to go into our mission field, that we would love those and and truly want to see people saved all around us, near and far, uh, similar to us and different from us, God. God, just be with Adam uh, and Krista and their whole family, their beautiful family that you have given them. Uh, Allow them to continue to see uh, the uh, majesty and glory and the power of God in each and every little thing and mundane thing they do, God. God, thank you for the words that you gave Adam today. Just pray that they would uh, resonate in us this week as we continue to make that choice every single day uh, to participate in the mission that you've called us to. We thank you and praise you for all that you're doing here, there, and across the world. Amen. Uh, Mark's going to lead us in a song to close. One thing that Adam said, um, it doesn't happen on accident. We must decide to go, decide to do, and decide to participate. And We're going to sing a little chorus here in closing, um, and uh, Mark's going to lead us.